Hello, Whiskey Files, and welcome to another episode of Pot Still Radio. As always, I'm your host, Matt Heady, Chief Editor of Potstill.com, your independent Irish whiskey resource where we distill and analyze all the news and releases in the market today. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, the Irish Whiskey Magazine, the only magazine in the world dedicated to sharing the exciting news, lifestyle, and spirit of Irish whiskey. You can find out more at irishwhiskeymagazine.com. And the Tua Glass, a contemporary nosing and tasting glass, a symbol to unify Irish whiskey drinkers across the world. And you can find out more about this beautiful glass at tuaglass.ie. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pot Still Radio. As always, I am your host, Matt Healy, Chief Editor of PotStill.com. And today we have another fantastic episode brought to you from the lovely country of Japan. And we're sitting here in FoodX Tokyo, which is an absolutely amazing exhibition of food and drinks from all over the world. Um, And I'm delighted to be joined today by Michael Morris, International Sales Director of Hinch Distillery Company. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Matt. But welcome to the show. We're delighted to be sitting here. And anyone listening in, you hear a little bit of a hubble and bustle. That is a massive exhibition that's going on behind us. And so thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit down with me. And so I suppose, um, give me the the top line spiel, Hinch Distillery Company, one of the newest uh, brands to hit the market. There's a lot of people talking about you on Twitter and on Facebook. So tell us all about you. Yeah, well, it's good good to know. And we, I think we are the, the newest of the, the latest new distilleries that are coming down the track. And um, basically what's happened is we have a distillery project that's going live uh, between Belfast and Ballina Hinch. So a small town, 20 miles or so from Belfast, and we're halfway between those two, uh, the city and that town, uh, on Kalani Estate. So we pulled planning permission to build uh, a single malt distillery there. Uh, The work and rendering has already taken place. We hope that probably within the next 50 weeks we'll be uh, up and running with quite a significant distillery size, visitor centre, um, bar, restaurant, so on. So it's uh, yeah, it's all very exciting stuff. I suppose you'd be in somewhat of a unique position as the, the whiskey brand has kind of emerged after a lot of the work has already been done. Yeah. So I know we were speaking yesterday. I were talking about the fact that you're kind of expecting it somewhat in the early days, early doors of 2020. You'll have the distillery and yeah. the visitor center open. You already have your three pot stills. Which, we do. Which is the lion's share of what most people need to do. Yeah. Um. So it's amazing, kind of the. The brand came in almost a, in a, a secondary fashion to having the rest of the footwork done, which is great. Yeah, um, we, we're very well funded. The, 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 the main reason for that is, uh, as an independent company, the, the driver and the visionary behind it is a guy called Terry Cross. So Terry Cross, um, a number three years ago, sold his packaging company, uh, Delta Print and Packaging, I think the, the, the fee of the fee for the sale was four hundred million. So it was you know, some walking around. It was, it was. <laughs> uh, sold this company to one of the largest packaging companies in the world in Finland. Um, and a portion of that cash essentially has gone into uh, the funding for the distillery. But as importantly, I suppose, Terry also had the vision in buying casks 
which two three years ago were available on the on the island and the, the, as we all know in the industry it's becoming a much more uh, much rarer thing to be able to get your hands on particularly the older casks so we bought a very significant amount of uh, cask stock brain whiskey uh, older single malts and pot still and uh, some peated single malt so we have essentially now built the model around the fact that we can establish the credibility of the name our name the hinge distillery around the hinge brand uh, we're making no apology for the fact that we have sourced top quality whiskey elsewhere in the island of ireland to allow consumers to know that we're here we're a brand but i do think that um, as, as things develop uh, obviously what's going to become more and more important is our our own production um and yeah it's it's an exciting way it's 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 one way of doing it you know get the brand out there sell some whiskey build up worldwide distribution uh but all in the knowledge that the whiskey distillery is coming shortly down the track and I suppose very few whiskey brands that launch with five uniquely different or differentiated expressions from each other. Um, run us through because you've got quite a breadth uh, starting yeah. off. Well, what we did was uh, at, at, at one stage there was not that much, uh, I suppose, really deep thought went into it. We were very keen to buy as much uh, older whiskey as we could get our hands on. Uh, and the view was that if we bought it up, we would then be able to obviously turn that into various different strands of brands. So we bought a fair bit of uh, grain and malt to be able to blend small batch, uh, three-year-old, you know, we're able to get some five-year-old and a 10-year-old. So those three things essentially became the core of triple distilled classic Irish whiskey. Uh, the original plan was that those three brands would be, those three SKUs rather, would be um, a quality blended, top quality blended Irish whiskey that we could kind of build a story around. But in the in the purchasing process, we were also able to buy uh, single pot still and peated single malt. And I had a strong view from my background in Cooley that getting hands on some peated single malts and, and pot still in particular was, was, was going to be very important and it's been superbly well received you, you mentioned japan earlier and to be able to talk uh, about three very distinctly different things to uh consumers who in this market really do know their stuff you know they're they're not uh, disabused about what is the difference between blends and malts and pop still and so on and the fact that we've got interesting whiskey makes it you know interesting for them to talk to us and at a commercial level, hopefully that's going to turn into distribution things. Yeah, and I suppose here is one of the best places to, to be welcoming people to your stand as well, because we've got people from all over the world, I know. You had a lot of meetings with people from Australia and beyond yeah. as well, not just the Japanese. So The whiskey world is a small place. Uh, yesterday we had Taiwan, we had Australia, we had New Zealand. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. I, I've had a lot of experience coming to these kind of shows with previous uh, previous companies, and now as a director and a shareholder in this company, you know I certainly see great value in being out front at any, anything like this on the international scene. So you mentioned uh, previous companies. One of the things people won't know. Uh, is that we, I don't think we've ever met in Ireland, but we've met in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes. Uh, we've met in Warsaw, Poland. Yeah. Then we met in Russia at one point, and now we're in Japan. Yeah. So uh, we're certainly an international group. Uh, so it's, it's lovely to be able to sit down with you over a microphone. And I suppose for the people you know, out in, in uh, podcast land that don't know you, 
give us a little background about uh, about the brand that you are yourself, if that makes sense. What's your background? Well, I've spent I've spent my whole life actually coming out of. I went to Queen's University in Belfast, went straight into uh, some management training in Bass, Ireland, back in the day, in Bass had a brewery in Ireland. So my background was beer. Then I eventually worked for Bill and Bass, which was part of the Irish Distillers Group. That's where I got my real interest in spirits generally, and then more narrowly and specifically uh, whiskey. Um, after that, I worked for Cooley. Um, I had the pleasure of working with John and Jack and Stephen Teeling, and, and really that really focused my attention in terms of the opportunity that existed for independent Irish whiskey companies. And I'm old enough and, and wrong at it, enough at it to remember that in the prior prior to Cooley, uh, Irish whiskey, independent Irish whiskey, you know, it was just not something that was any way easy to sell on the international scene. Post Cooley, it is absolutely an open door. Uh, no question about it, the doors around the world were opened by Jemison particularly, got people talking about Irish whiskey, made Irish whiskey relevant, and now the independent uh, players can obviously ride on those very broad shoulders. Um, so as I say, post Coke Cooley, I was very keen to get involved with part ownership of uh, a whiskey company. Uh, we, we, we give it a good go in Belfast with the Belfast Distillery Company, which we tried to build the distillery at the jail. And for too many reasons uh, for me to go into, it didn't happen. It looks like it might happen uh, later on this year, but I'm, I'm not going to be part of it. Um, and uh, when that didn't work out, I uh, ended up working for these drinks which is a quiet man brand in Derry, had three great years there, uh, which is again where we met, uh, <laughs> exactly. particularly in the States, because the quiet man will hopefully go on to greater things now that it's part of the Luxco Group, an American company, who are real whiskey people, um, and I think that I think that brand will go really well because it's now in, I think, 24, 25 markets around the world, and I'll take credit for at least 20 of those. <laughs> um, but as I say, the opportunity when it was presented to me by Terry Cross, who I'd known for ever, uh, the fact that, that Terry uh, offered me a position and uh, to run the international sales division, the fact that everything, actually I say division, that's a very strong word, it's, it's you know, it's me and another guy. Uh, <laughs> that's a you know, division. You know, yeah. we're, uh, we, we will be in the process of recruiting as, as we go along, of course, because we've got serious ambition. Uh, but the great thing is that uh, we, we, we now, as I say, have the funding in place. We've got, I think, a very, very nice looking brand. The liquid itself and the three styles is superb. We know that. It's a given. Um, and, and really the commercial stack up. So uh, very exciting times. I suppose the few people that have come out of the gates with a bespoke bottle as well. It's quite, quite a, a, you know, it takes a lot of capital to invest in that, a lot of artwork designs and whatnot. And, Beautiful looking bottle. Yeah, we uh, we uh, had the bottle design. Derek Hardy, who's the managing director of the company, he uh, hit, was in initially uh, the, the vision for the brand in terms of how it's looked up is was his. But it was the company Drinksology, who are based up in Belfast, very clever. Yes. Uh, brand of the guys. They they have delivered the concept, and as you say, you know it it's uh, expensive piece of kit. But the really good thing is that because of the funding uh, platform that we have, we're not having to try and recover that in terms of the commercial cost. So our whiskies are gonna be competitively priced despite the fact that they come in a very nice piece of packaging. All of that has to go back to Terry Cross. You know, Terry, uh, Terry's a 
packaging guy by, by it's in his DNA. So he understood early doors that it's one thing having nice whiskey, it's another thing getting in a nice piece of packaging. And I think that's particularly relevant. Look, in the domestic scene in Ireland, that's, that's less relevant, I suppose. But when you come to a market like Japan, where packaging is incredibly important, uh, you know, that's going to give us the edge. I thought that in the last three or four days, it proved it in my eyes that the investment we put into the packaging will actually pay a serious dividend. Do you want to walk us through your five five uh, SKUs that you've released? Yep. So we've got uh, obviously one of the, the key characteristics: three blends. Uh, all of those blends is a small batch, three-year-old, as I said, a five-year-old double wood, and then we've got a ten-year-old. Um, uh, one of the things that we use uh, we, in terms of how we bought those those whisk, those cask whiskies is obviously the first and second fill bourbon casks as something that has got a very serious impact on how the whiskey tastes and it's all good. So this is the usual kind of the small batch in particular, very soft, easy lifestyle, very approachable whiskey. Um, we use 25% milk in the blend, so it's uh, it's got right really nice depth, as I say, super smooth, excellent whiskey. The double wood, we use some uh, virgin oak in that, so that gives it a kind of punchier flavor. It's a five-year-old, so there's a big distinction between it and the small batch. And then the 10-year-old, which is my favorite, we've got 10 years in those second full bourbon casks and then a year, virtually 10 months, in 30-year-old Oloroso Sherry casks that we bought from Bodega Garvey. So another Irish connection. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So Bodega Garvey, wonderful casks, cost a fortune, of course. But Ser serious Bodega and Hareth as well. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, with that Irish connection, the fact that we're able to hang another piece of provenance on that, it's uh, amazing. Uh, that 10 year old finished in those sherry casts, superb. So that, that's the, the blended lineup. And then the outliers, as we call them, since we're, uh, there's any Americans listening, the outliers are the, the pot still. So we have a single pot still, which is that classic you know, pot still style. It's young, it's four year old, but it's incredibly approachable, very, very easy to drink. It's amazing stuff, actually. And then because of my forever affection with uh, Connemara for my days in Cooley, to be able to get a four year old peated single malt which is very heavily peated, the PPM kind, and our whiskey is about 55, so heavily peated. Uh, it was a big talking point here in Japan over the last uh, three days, and uh, yeah, a real point of distinction. <laughs> kind of have a little bit of everything for everyone who's coming up to your stats. We do, uh, you know, again, I learned uh, from the Quad Man days. Uh, at one point, we only had in, in the Quad Man, we had a eight-year-old and a blend. That's a bit limiting. So the fact that you're, uh, particularly when you're, our role, look, my role is commercial. We're trying to make ourselves relevant to uh, major distributors. So back to all of the costs in the background, you know, we, we want, we are ambitious. We want to be with relatively big players who can get us direct access into the market pretty quickly. And to do that, our commercial pricing needs to be good, packaging needs to be spot on, and then uh, and then we need to have things of interest. And the fact that we're in three different parts of the category works. Absolutely. And I suppose one of the things that you know, people sometimes don't always think about is not every distributor needs to pick up every SKU you have. So you give them quite a, a range to choose from. If, the sherry and the peat work for Japan, then maybe the five-year-old and the single pots will work for Australia, and then maybe in Ireland you've everything. Absolutely, look, it's that's that's part of the thinking. We don't need, we don't need as long as they're they're taking two, three of the SKUs, 
that's what it's all about. In the more serious whiskey markets, we obviously would be hoping they take it all. And in fact, one of the very interesting, uh, interesting comments that we had with the Australians yesterday, they see the small batch as being something that they can promote very heavily through the uh, major retail. And yet the, the smaller batch brands, and particularly the pot still in the peated whiskey, those USPs give it an opportunity in the on-trade. So, you know, I, I'm, I was wonderful to hear that and to hear that, uh, you know, we'll be in different parts of the, uh, the market with different whiskies, uh, all through uh, potentially one distribution chain, which is wonderful. And you talk USP and, you know, I was just thinking when I saw yesterday, I actually asked you, was it was this, was the pack example or was the actual liquid in each bottle? Because you must be the first people to bring out a source of single pot still in the country at this point. I, I think so. I mean, we were, as I say, we, we, we've sourced that in Ireland, uh, obviously, and uh, I, I, when it was available, made available to us because of the, the good relationships we have with the people that we're buying the casks from. The fact that we were able to get a fairly significant batch of that, uh, we didn't, and, and that came very late in the day for us. We were just about to go live with Portuguese, and the pot still became available, and I jumped all over that because it's just so um, recognized as being something specifically Irish and in these trying times of Brexit of course uh, what we what we and we, we're in the north of Ireland but we're very very definitely and distinctly part of the island of Ireland um, offering which is Irish whiskey. The other really interesting thing actually is uh, Terry Cross who I've mentioned a couple of times. Terry's background as well as packaging he was always Big part of his vision and dream was to get into the whiskey business. Um, he felt he couldn't do that many years ago, so in the year 2000, he bought uh, a chateau in Bordeaux, Chateau de la Ligne, as you do. As you do. Uh, as you do. Uh, bought a chateau um, and neighboring, uh, absolutely wonderful uh, property that he spent two fortunes turning it into one of the loveliest chateaus actually in the whole of the Bordeaux area. Um, and over the last number of years, he's been developing the wine there, uh, the Bordeaux Superior, which is this year, the 2018 vintage, is absolutely superb. Um, so Terry, uh, in many ways, sees himself as being in the drinks industry. He's chairman of the famous Wine Geese because of the great connection between the Irish and, and Bordeaux, uh, but now he's taken that final that step to be into Irish whiskey, and of course, as a result of me being the international uh, sales director, as well as being responsible for the uh, whiskey sales, I'll also be uh, plugging a bit of French wine. Uh, along, uh, we're, we're going down the route of uh, French French vines, French vines uh, on Irish heart. I see. So is it uh, safe to say that in a couple of years' time we'll see some Hitch Distillery Company red wine casts? Or, uh, very good, very good, sir. That is, uh, <laughs> that is uh, absolutely what we're going to be doing, yeah. Very, it's a good tie-in. It's a good yeah, You definitely secured your uh, vertical supply chain there. We did. We did. <laughs> My college uh, lecturers of business will be very pleased with, uh, with that. Terry was doing that 20 years ago, or 18 years ago, and didn't realize. But anyway... So yeah, so we've got some lovely wood over there as well, making very nice wine, and it'll be interesting. And as we uh, as we do want to be seen as experimental, particularly on the wood finishing, is one of the big points of difference against let's face it, what is serious competition on the island of Ireland. So the fact that uh, finishing to me is something again I've learned over the last six or seven years if it's done right and it's done properly and you invest properly in the wood, it gives you a real point of difference. 
So I suppose walk us through what is going to be your new distillery and new visitor center. How's that going to look? So we're going to be making uh, it's it's capacity of the distillery is going to be five hundred thousand liters per alcohol. So so five hundred thousand liters. The two things to remember about that: first of all, five hundred thousand liters. We've got two seven and a half thousand liter stills and a fourteen thousand liter still. Very nice. So, so it's, you know, it's quite yeah. significant size. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be making primarily single malt. Uh, unpeated single malt, but we will also make a batch. Probably, this is to be worked out yet, and this is part of the reason why we're in the markets to discover the interest. We'll be making some peated malt, and we'll also be making uh, pot still. So, so that's one of the reasons why um, we're out with these brands as it is at the moment to make sure that we're pretty we're sure about the level of interest before we start you know, getting into full production. We have already a contract signed up with um, Great Northern Distillery. We're buying Graham uh, whiskey off John Teeling. So we, so that is uh, really going to be our rule to making sure that we are cons. We're go always going to be in the blended business, but we're not going to be making Graham whiskey up there. And, and quite frankly, you know, John makes fantastic Graham whiskey, and ultimately, someone with column stills of that capacity is going to make it that a little bit cheaper and that little bit more efficiently. So I see a, a great as a great aspect. I think a lot of distilleries in Ireland are taking that that uh, that view as well. So yeah, no. Look at when I worked in Cooney, John talked about this uh, even even at the time that the company was being sold. And, and he's realized that vision again, second time around. So we're, we're, it's wonderful for us to be working with him. And as I say, it'll, it'll be like a serious part of the DNA and the blend. Um, and the rest of it will be about our, about our malls. Um, but it's going to be a proper serious production site that happens to have, it's in a beautiful location. It's a Kalania Estate, Terry lives on the property in a, in a, in a well, it's a mansion there. Um, and uh, the distillery is being built on the property. Uh, so we're hoping to have uh, a restaurant, a bar, uh, and, a, and, a, and a pretty nice visitor centre. I mean, we're, we're going to spend a couple of million pounds doing that, that side of it. Uh, I think the total spend in terms of the, uh, the overall bill is going to be somewhere in the region of 12 million pounds. So, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, we're doing it the right way. We're doing it to the proper scale. Be wrong to call us a boutique distillery. I think we're going to be a little bit further than that. Okay, and I presume production is going to come ahead of the visitor center. Production first, visitor center. Uh, we would be hoping to be open probably by this March next year, or something like that. Okay, so not not too far afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. It's the whole the, the thing will take on a momentum all of its own. Uh, there's a huge amount of work. Uh, is going on in the background in the last year. I mean, I, I literally joined this company. I'm talking like I've been here forever. And I joined on the uh, 7th of January. So uh, so you weren't there buying the vineyards 18 years ago. I, I, I've stayed at the Chateau. I know that wine well. My daughter, Amy, my, one of my three daughters, she worked there for two years, uh, working on site, proving her French, which was part of her degree. So look, I, I, I've known Terry Cross, the family, and the Chateau forever. Uh, and, and to be working with him, you know, a serious entrepreneur, uh, a guy who has got a proven, crazily uh, successful track record, um, and to be part of his team and a key part of his team is wonderful for me. So I suppose one of the elephants in the room that I have to ask you about is, as we are recording this, not going out live, we're recording this on the was eighth of March now. So it'll be twenty-one days until D-Day, where you sit. I don't know, 
if it's beneficial or not beneficial, it'll be kind of straddling both sides of the border. You're uh, an all-island product, but uh, politically, at least, um, for revenue terms in the United Kingdom. Uh, so how, how, how are we looking for uh, Brexit in your eyes? Well, look, you know, Brexit, the big great shock that it was to all of us. Um, you know, we're just going to have to roll with the punches in terms of whatever that delivers. But I will, uh, I will tell you one thing that will probably indicate where we stand on Brexit. You know, we're launching, uh, and this, this is true, this is coincidentally true, our official <laughs> launch of the brand uh, is the 29th of March, London Whiskey Live. Uh, we are launching on Brexit Day. Uh, when you see the hinge, uh, when you see the livery and the label, that blue label on that bottle, uh, that's there for a reason. Um, and honestly, we, uh, you know, we, we, we remain firmly in the in the camp of being a whiskey producer on the island of Ireland. And the, the kind of problems that, that Brexit may or may not throw up. You know, opportunities or otherwise problems and so on. We'll just have to deal with that uh, because, as I say, uh, we're we're serious. We hope to be serious exporters, and uh, and we'll be flying the flag for uh, the Irish whiskey category, uh, irrespective of Brexit. And I suppose one of the fantastic things is that there's long before we've reached March 29th, there's been the protection from both governments agreed and the European Union that all Ireland will be continued to be protected. So there's not going to be, at least in our industry, I always say the two industries that, that see no border, rugby rugby and whiskey. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I, yeah, we, we got those assurances as everyone else did early doors and that was very important because it, it, is, it is extremely important that we've got product of Ireland on a bottle of whiskey so that there's no divisional approach to this is one type of whiskey and another. Regionality will eventually come into it, uh, but in the good way that they do it in Scotland. So you will have regional, you have regional differences in Scotland, but it's all Scotch. And I think as the Irish whiskey um, uh, footprint, you know, becomes more mature, uh, where let's face it, there are going to be a lot of distilleries. We're all fighting for that space, um, and regionality will eventually become an important thing. But but I have to stress it's regionality within the island of Ireland context and that's not being political yeah. it, it's purely from a, a business point of view that I think eventually we will get there and it will be a good thing nothing we would have been much 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 worse off had we ended up with some bizarre Irish and Northern Irish category for whiskey it would have been a very very strange doldrums to end up in it certainly would have been getting my vote <laughs> I'm not sure which way you voted on Brexit to begin with, but I'm, I'm sure I can imagine that. <laughs> I'm very happy to tell you I voted against it, as yeah. every other person I knew did, but anyway. Anyway, uh, I suppose moving forward then, uh, in your mind, what for, for Hinch Distillery Company, um, what what are the, the kind of key export markets? You, know, you said you're an export-oriented uh, company. I'm sure that your products would be uh, on the island of Ireland, no problem. Um, but where, where would be key markets in your eyes? Well, we, we've spent uh, a lot of energy and effort on this already, even though the distillery is some way off and the whiskey, as I say, is only officially and formally being launched on the 29th of March. We have already got agreements in the States. It's going to be very important to a company that I know very well over there. Um, can't divulge who it's going to be, but I'm sure we'll find it in June. Course, you, not a problem. We'll find out <laughs> fairly soon. Uh, you know, it's a it's a breakthrough for us. Uh, I've been working. I know these guys and from many years, and the fact that we're going to be able to uh, 
join them. We're going to be their category partners. It's going to be fantastic. Um, we're working closely actually with Invest Northern Ireland. So we're here at this at the stand supported by Invest Northern Ireland. And Invest Northern Ireland have got a great team up there in Belfast and they give us subsidy support to go into the European markets and beyond. So for instance, uh, in the next few months, we're going to be in, in May, I'm going to be at Hofex in Hong Kong. We're going to be at Seattle in China and in, in, uh, Shanghai. We're going to be going to Singapore. So we're going to be going to these you know, far off regions supported by the local Invest Northern Ireland government body, which is fantastic. I can't say enough about them. And then through my experience of working particularly with the Quadma, you know, we'll not be running around stealing any of my our previous customers and distributors and so on because look, these markets are huge. So, but I do know where to fish where the fish are. So we'll be going to the, you know Germany, France, these big mature whiskey markets where there's plenty of room for everybody. That's, I mean, I suppose that's one of the main things is knowing. They always say it's it's easy to convert a different whiskey drinker to your whiskey than trying to find someone who drinks, I don't know wine all day every day to whiskey so those mature whiskey markets are definitely good 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 fishing grounds as you say <laughs> exactly and and you know you know also the markets like the nordics very important even though the government monopolies and it takes a lot of time to get yourself get it's a system battle gas or monopoly and, exactly yeah. to get to get through that but if you i know again from experience if you apply yourself and if you're working with the right people the thing about whiskey, every aspect of whiskey, it takes time. That's part of the. It's part of the <laughs> three years at least. <laughs> so uh, it went three years to get the whiskey, and then you just have to be patient. And this is again back to the funding issue. Yeah, I'm going to be under pressure and, and to deliver volumes as quickly as possible because we need the cash. But when you've proper, good, solid funding in place, then it means we have to don't take short shortcuts. We can go about this in a considered way, and and that's why I'm here. I'm I'm here on this project because uh, it's got deep roots, it's well funded, and truly ambitious in the longer term. And that that's what Irish whiskey companies should be. I know we were saying uh, earlier on. You're saying a lot about the the cast work will be a big focus for you guys. Um, I presume the lion's share will be bourbon, much like everybody else. Oh yeah. Uh, and then into your wines, you've already got your Garvey connection. I'm sure that will continue. Your own chateau in, in uh, Bordeaux. Um, will there be much more interplay of, of different categories or different casts types? Yeah. Or yeah, one of the things that I personally am very interested in, I think it works really well, is uh, is uh, beer. So imperial stout. You know, uh, working. I mean, we've already made some inquiries with. I think it's important to keep the provenance local. So we're going to be uh, talk. We are at the moment talking to Whitewater Brewery here in County Down, where we are, and we're going to hopefully be able to do a uh, a, a, a partnership where we'll we'll give over some bourbon, some of those uh, bourbon casks, and he'll uh, do an imperial stout. We'll get those casks back and see how that tastes uh, after you know six or seven months and. We, we did a bit of that previously with the Platman, so that's, you know, I know that works. And we're so so try to test it at least. Yeah. Try to test it is right. So, uh, you know, I don't think that's stepping on anybody's toes. That, that is something that I think is interesting. I think younger people or younger consumers really pick up on that and really appreciate that as well, that uh, it's kind of bringing that beer connection into whiskey. So lots of things like that. Also, Derek Hardy, who's the MD of the company, He's 20 years in the wine business. He's a very deep, in-depth knowledge of the wine trade. 
and the, the, the and so he's researching with some of our partners uh, some of these more exotic uh, wine brands that we might be able to use outside of our own chateau. Um, but I suppose the other thing is not to get too carried away. Uh, you know, one, we're going to be experimental, and then when we find out what works, that will become core. Yeah. Uh, but but I think that uh, it will also do as well to be a company that's known to have maybe one or two quirky things every year that we yeah. we reduce and. Equally talking to Japanese partners here yesterday, they were very interested in doing the single cask exclusives, this sort of thing. We lots of flexibility to do that and I actually feel sorry for the companies that can't do that because that is very limiting. If you're able to do it in the international markets where you do single cask bottlings, and it's expensive because you're doing bespoke one-offs, label runs. The label runs terrible for that low quantity. Yeah, you know all that. Uh, but again, my my advice to shouldn't uh, even this, of course, uh, advice to our competitors at the end of the day is if you can do it, it's worth doing because it just makes you much more credible, makes you much more important to the distributors, and a lot of the proper serious guys are all about uh, working in you know, mid longer term relationships. And if you can do them some early favors this way, it pays great dividend. Absolutely, especially in you know when we come out to the, the east of the world, we're talking very hierarchical uh, societies where long-term relationships and in-depth relationships are are valued over the short term. So especially at, at early doors, buying good favors is always a, a good option. I think. Uh, at least in my personal experience in some of these markets. Yeah, and also I, I've, uh, I would also like to mention that, you know, there's markets in Eastern Europe, Russia in particular, fascinating, uh, you know, great interest in Russia around Irish whiskey. One of the things I've noticed about those Eastern European countries, there's not the fixation that you get in some other countries with Scotch. So because they're relatively new to whiskey, Ireland gets a, a almost like a, an identical start to Scotch. We're, we're not coming at those markets uh, with, on the back foot because the young consumers, for them, Irish whiskey is something that is as relevant to Scotch and, and bourbons. So consequently, it's a, an even keel. It's a, it's a fair fight, so yeah, to speak. Absolutely. I suppose, uh, you know, in, in Japan, uh, one of the things I've been finding quite funny is um, a lot of the, you know, there's a few good indie brands here at the moment, um, and one of the things I've been finding going to different on-premise and off-premise locations, uh, I've been told a lot that uh, Irish whiskey is uh, quite cheap, which is, I suppose, one of the few times I've heard that in my life. Um, and the funny thing is, it's probably one of the few markets where Irish whiskey isn't being compared to Scotch as a category, it's being compared to Japanese. So in that aspect, that absolutely, yeah, absolutely we're cheap compared to Japanese whiskey. Um, which has been quite a funny thing. So I've seen a lot of uh, back bar placements um, where perhaps there usually it wouldn't be an off-premise um, skew as as per the norm, if yep. that makes sense. Yep. Usually it'd be more an off-premise, higher, you know, uh, higher price. And it's great seeing other back bars here. Um, there's also some great uh, Irish connections out here. There's a, I know there's a gentleman called Hart McLaughlin, um, who is the Irish uh, Whiskey Society of Japan. Um, I know he's, he's doing great work out here. He actually, uh, I think he just imported like uh, 49 friend in hand Red Rest exclusives to send to his members, his members list here in Japan. Um, then there's, uh, you know, there's some good uh, Irish and English pubs that are stocking some, uh, some good whiskey. I know I've found a bit of Lambe. I actually found some Dunville's. So neighbors of yours uh, yep. in uh, and Pungi, 
which is a, quite an affluent um, coming area of the town. So it was great to see some Irish representation there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely there's a, there's some good good uh, good interest and a lot of a lot of Irish whiskey on. A lot more Irish whiskey on backfires than I would have expected for how strong of a whiskey market this is in their own right. Um, it's very, very cool things coming out of Japan, I think. Yeah, well, that, that uh, friend of Tom, this thing that you mentioned, that'll make uh, Willie Jack at the Duke of York in Belfast very happy. <laughs> That's his brand, so well done, Willie. Yeah. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I saw it on Twitter, so it could, I'm 90% sure, but uh, exactly, well done, Willie, if that is it. Um, so I suppose if there, one, one of the things I always ask people is, um, to, to give give us a little insight into uh, something about your brand or perhaps the distillery when it's open that won't be um, recognizable to people straight off the bat. Something perhaps in the branding or of the architecture of the building or the stills themselves. Um, I know in Dublin uh, Liberty's distillery they have bricks outside or stone outside their distillery that's completely laced with uh, fool's gold, which is a lot of fun. Uh, other people have kind of a very subtle uh, design put into uh, some of their bottles. Is there anything that you'd like consumers to, to keep an eye out for? Stuff you like uh, about either your branding or your distillery that um, Perhaps give us a little insight into that. Well, I think I think probably and most obviously one of the things that is going to mark a site uh, with the USB, I hope, is that we have taken the decision that the whiskey that we're going to make at the distillery is going to be double distilled single malt. So, nice. so yeah. Well, so you're in the right country up there uh, for double distilled, distilled. Absolutely. Exactly. So double distilled single malt. Uh, that is one of the things that we hope that we're going to be known for. Uh, we want to be dead serious about our whiskey, so consequently, there's a lot of thought has gone into that, into the way the stills were chosen and so on, which all happened before I arrived. But double distill, hinge distillery, double distill single malt. You know, if people remember us for that, and it's it's going to be obviously fabulously, uh, fabulously excellent whiskey. I'm, I'm I'm able to say here, even at the early stage, we hope. Uh, but but that's really what we want to hire out. That's interesting. You've a fourteen thousand liter wash still, two seven thousand liter, I suppose, which are now spirit stills. I would have thought intermediate yeah. in spirit. So you have that ability to play around as well, a little bit as well. Yeah, that, that was part of the thinking was to give us uh, a capacity that would enable us to be able to do, you know, different things. And I'm sure it'll take us time to find our feet once our distiller who's currently uh, being talked to in terms of coming on board. So we're going we're gonna to be doing announcing that person shortly. Uh, because part of the thinking is to get the distiller on board, even at this early stage, when, when we're really only building the distillery, so that that person can put their real stamp, their own personal stamp on uh, what we're trying to do at Hinge. Now, am I, am I allowed to cry even so slightly as perhaps the, the nationality of your distiller? Because a lot of people, you know, Blackwater found someone from the United States. A lot of people have come from uh, Scotland. There's a good few people in Ireland as well, am I allowed to ask? Or is that confidential information? It's slightly confidential. That's okay, is, don't it, you worry. What I will say, it is, proven, <laughs> it, is, it is proven very difficult, actually, yeah. to get someone uh, from Ireland. Um, and we're, we're looking, you know, we're looking outside the box on that uh, because, frankly, we, we've had to. Yeah, no, and absolutely. And I thought one of the interesting things is um, with people, I've spoken to other people who are in the same boat that trying to find distillers would be one of the most in-demand uh, yeah, uh, professions at the moment. Um, one of the things I thought was quite clever is a few people have looked to the United States in a, over the likes of Scotland. Um, for their experience in mixed mash bill. So wild bourbon or you know four grain whiskies in the United States, 
wouldn't be pot still in the way we know it, at least that they experience in the mixed mash bill distilling, whereas the Scottish we tend to be more uh, wheat or, or straight single malt. So just not exclusively, but in, in, in a majority of cases. So uh, that's why I, I pride a little bit. I was just wondering, you, know, you can always get excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose going forward, we're looking at January-ish, maybe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, we, hope, yeah, we hope that uh, the stones will be operational around January time. That's the plan. Uh, we hope that the visitor center uh, supporting it will be open in March. Uh, if Terry has his way, and he normally has his way, uh, that that's you know there's pressure on all of us to deliver that. Um, and you know I've got a fixed idea in terms of how many uh, markets we will have opened with the cast stuff, the bottling. The early indicators for us have been fantastic. Uh, you know, great reaction. Um, vindicating totally what went before. Uh, you know, Terry would say to me, made it easy for you. As we all know, it's not easy. No, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, uh, you go about it the right way. It's easier than it, than it needs to be. And, uh, yeah, so it's all exciting stuff. And it's certainly 29th of March is the formal kickoff. But, again, we, uh, we just couldn't miss this opportunity once it was presented to us to come out here with Invest Northern Ireland and uh, as part of this uh, uh, it's part of this gig and it's worked really well for us. Perfect. And I suppose one of the great, you know, byproducts of the whiskey industry booming is that there's great uh, employment opportunities as well. So will there be much of a, a team across the distillery into the uh, warehousing and the visitor center oh, yeah, and everything? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're going to be, uh, we're hoping to employ 35 people there. Straight off the bat. That's yeah. fantastic. Oh, wow, no, that's fantastic. No, this is, yeah. this is a, we're a proper employer there. Yeah. We're, we're going to be giving local people jobs in a relatively rural area on the way out to the, the Mourne Mountains uh, on, that, on the main road and uh, trying to get local people employed there, uh, train them up and so on. So it's a big plan, 35 jobs, that's that's what we're aiming to do. And we're aiming to do that sooner rather than later, actually. Fantastic. I mean, that is that is a fantastic level of employment straight off the bat. And that's one of the things I think sometimes, you know, when you see the, the, government, uh, the government's decisions across borders, ups and downs on you know their decisions on taxes or the you know and publicly the alcohol health bill and that's one of the things i think gets left by the wayside is the yeah. is the great employment opportunities it derives both direct and indirect that's true uh that, that, that's that i think people are starting to realize this i mean i know uh um, one of the government ministers in the site talked about this in uh, last week in terms of just the enormous opportunity and potential as it grows for people for employment for the country and north and south and, and, you know, we're like an embryonic version of what happens in Scotland. We all know how important to the exchequer the Scottish uh, whiskey industry is. Absolutely. Uh, we're obviously just claiming back what was originally ours. <laughs> we are the Renaissance men. Here we come. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so it's all good. Oh, perfect. So I suppose if people uh, want to find you guys online, I suppose more so after you launch on, on, on Brexit Day, as required, where should they be looking you guys up? So uh, the website's just up. It's it's uh, relatively basic. Uh, it's distillery.com. Uh, so you know people can go on there and they, they they certainly can see who we are from that to see early images of the brands. But from the 29th or just before the 29th, the actual proper website will be all singing, all dancing. We've set up cameras up on site at the uh, Colony Estate. Obviously, that as as the distillery is being built. Uh, we're going to invest some money in terms of uh, videos of Terry talking about his vision for it uh, at this early stage. Quite a character, so look out for those ones. 
And yeah, all that's going to be happening. Uh, and as I say, that website's now up and running. Perfect. I believe your Instagram handle is Hinch Distillery. Um, yes. And I presume coming along the lines will also be the Twitter handles and the Facebook, etc. All the social media person is being uh, urgently required. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. It's all beyond me, but anyway. Fair enough. Well, thank you all for listening. As always, we would absolutely love uh, your help sharing uh, Hot Still Radio with all of your whiskey-loving friends in the world. Um, as always, if you want to hit that subscribe button, we would be delighted. Uh, if you want to find us and talk to us on any of our social media platforms, on Instagram and Twitter, we are at potstilled underscore on facebook we are facebook.com forward slash potstilled and as always you can just find us on potstilled.com for all your latest news reviews uh, about the irish whiskey industry so michael i suppose this is the end so thank you so much and good luck with food extra pan thank you very much cheers